Hi there, folks. My name is Emily. And I'm Elle. And we are Oh My Word, a podcast where we discuss books, movies, musicals, TV shows, etc., all in the hopes of trying to promote some clean content. And this is not really restricted by age. Yes, it's more important the younger you are to have really clean stuff. You know, we don't want eight-year-olds reading stuff with a lot of sex, and we don't want teenagers reading stuff with a lot of cursing and violence. But even as an adult, we're also looking for entertainment that's really great and really clean. They used to call it wholesome. <laughs> family, yes, wholesome. Family, wholesome entertainment, family-friendly entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah, and we do that. We help you. We have a quick, easy guide called our Pearl Clutching Skill for Violence, Language, and Romance, which just grades it on a scale of zero to four. Zero being no pearls need be clutched in in horror. In horror of the language, violence, and romance. <laughs> and then four being all the pearls must be clutched, careful lest they break. Correct. So zero is better. The more scores of a zero that a book, movie, musical, TV show, etc. gets, the better it is. But today, actually, our scales are not so important. So your pearls are safe <laughs> for another week because we are talking about trends in literature, specifically trends in young adult fiction, right? Or young adult. Yes. Yeah, fiction, right? Yeah. And if you haven't seen yet, uh, you can, well, if you haven't listened yet, our previous episode started. We gave the whole intro of sometimes trends occur on their own, but sometimes trends are being pushed by publishers. Like, they're being created in the marketplace. Uh, publishers specifically look for a certain something, you know, and they flow the market with it, and they just put a lot of it into the marketplace, so now it's a trend. And a lot of, actually, the ones that we're covering are ones that are like that. So either it's in response to the culture and an attempt to kind of bring this more to the culture, or publishers are like, we need more of these kinds of stories. Hmm. And then agents look for that. Also, right. you know, if that's what the agents also like, they'll look for that as well because, hey, we can sell this book. Last episode went way more into detail about all that, so you can check. I highly recommend you check that out. And now this is going to be uh, part two of all that. Yeah. So today we're starting with the trend of feminist feminist retellings in particular because I, I think you – it's so interesting. There are so many books – today, and I think we've talked about this before, where they'll comment and they'll say, a strong female lead, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a young adult novel written in the past 10 years that doesn't have a strong female lead. Like, having a strong male lead is less common, it seems. The young adult marketplace in general is dominated by female writers, mainly. Mm. There are some male writers. um, It just... For this reason or that reason, a lot of the male writers, you'll see much more in middle grade and picture books and that kind of stuff. But in in the young adult marketplace, most of the writers, or many, a large amount of the writers are female writers. So a lot of the protagonists are going to be female. They don't have to be, but they are. So that's why it's also, you know, if you don't like the way the protagonist is being portrayed, look at the writer, a man or a woman, and what what are they doing with this? You know, why are they doing that? So I wonder if more readers also are... Girls yeah. than boys well, at that age. I don't know if it's entirely true, but this is just something that I've observed. So I haven't done a deep study on this. I haven't been funded. You know, I haven't gotten multi-million <laughs> funding. You know what they do? Like, oh, we put $30 million into determining if the five-second rule is real. And everyone's like, we know it's not a thing. We just say that because you yeah. want to be able to eat out the floor. You know? <laughs> so, 
What I've observed, and I know this is entirely true, but I think that a lot of young adult readers, specifically in the young adult genre, are female readers. Mm-hmm. It seems that that boys who are avid readers after middle grade or coming up from middle grade, a lot of them, I think, jump into the fantasy sci-fi kind of categories and they'll jump to adult. Mm. Um, and into nonfiction. Or into nonfiction. Yeah. Or even, you know, the thrillers or the way. Actually, not mm-hmm. necessarily thrillers or mysteries. I feel like that's more for adult males. Well, yeah. females also, but adult male. Now we're talking about just because we're talking about men, uh, boys. But it seems to me that a lot of the boys, once those who are advanced readers, have, will jump into the fantasy. And maybe it's just because, not because there's not good fantasy in young adult. I think it's just, maybe they're just, there's something about them. Something about whatever it is. I think that they like the long, sprawling, epic fantasies that mm. you get in adult fantasy, which are very deeply detailed world building. There's also a lot of male writers in the in the fantasy, adult fantasy. Not that kind of adult fantasy, you know, the other adult fantasy, <laughs> the adult fantasy genre, and writing these long, big, you know, the the chosen hero sort of epic stories and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So there's something about that I think that draws a lot of the male readers to it. Young adult, you have that. The the the, the fantasies are usually pared down. They're not mm-hmm. as sprawling. There's not as many names you have to remember, which is part of what makes it appealing to certain readers because – I don't want to know 50,000 names, you know, or I don't want to know right. 100 million places. And I don't need to know this whole deep history about a place that doesn't even exist. Like how Game of Thrones has the family trees in the back and you right. often have to refer to it because some names are so similar and you're coming across a name that you've only come across once. You never come across it again. And who are right. they related to? So Young Adult kind of eliminates a lot of those extra things. So mm. I know I specifically said to, I, I read epic fantasy, but I also sometimes enjoy like, we'll go towards the young adult because it's too many. I don't want to remember all these names. You know, I want right. to have a fun fantasy without the, uh, with all the other, other stuff with it. So. Makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, so that brings us back to our feminist retellings. So they're specifically feminist retellings of other stories, not just feminist stories. Cause feminist stories, that's not a new trend. That's, that's just young adult fiction. I, okay. So the ones that we've looked at today are, the Bone Spindle, which is Sleeping Beauty meets Indiana Jones, is this, in this thrilling fairy tale retelling. Um, and then we have So This Is Ever After, which happens, or which is a retelling of the Arthurian legend, like King Arthur, and the other Merlin, which also actually retelling of the Arthurian or Arturian, depending upon how snooty oh. you are, legend. Yeah. So this is ever after. It's actually LGBT. It's not the. Uh, I don't think it's a feminist retelling. We mix up the categories. Oh, well, forgive me. So, all right. So, just sticking then with the other Merlin and the Bone Spindle, which are feminist retellings. I. This is my feel with feminist retellings of stories. First of all, I'm not a huge fan of retellings that totally go against what the established legend says. Like if it fills in holes, you know, if it takes it, or if we see it afterwards, but the characters still operate within what has been set up for that story, I'm okay with it. But I don't like it. Like now this was just a particularly bad movie, but Cruella that was done recently, you know, it's supposed to be the backstory of Cruella DeVille from 101 Dalmatians. It wasn't a backstory because she never became this 
puppy skinning, horrible person. You know, she's the, she's just this fashion designer. And I don't like retellings that just change the story. I mean, I guess that's what a retelling is. But then I, I always feel like then you should just come up with your own story. Don't tell me that this is about Cruella. Come up with, you want to tell a story about this fashion designer who was wronged by her real mother and, you know, fine, then do that. But don't tell me that it's about Cruella because it's not. That's my first thing with retellings. And then my other problem when they're specifically feminist retellings is it feels a little bit like sloppy seconds. Like they want to have a female James Bond, right? Why do we need a female James Bond? Come up with a new secret spy, 006. Her name is, you know, Mildred McAllister or whatever it is. And she's a super cool spy. Why do women have to be in these male roles? It's like, it, it feels like we want to put women in there, but we don't really care enough to like give you your own thing. So we're just going to change the name from James Bond to Met Bond or what I don't even know what they would do for something like that. But I don't know. I just, I always have felt like feminist retellings are just a cop out instead of coming up with your own story. I mean, you can be inspired by, you know, you could do a feminist retelling of like this one is Indiana Jones. You know, you could be inspired by a, what is he? An archaeologist, right? Which I guess maybe is what this is, but I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I am not a fan of retellings and I'm not a fan of feminist retellings. She says to the author who has five retellings in her library. <laughs> yes, but you're, but that's what I'm saying. But your retellings, like when I read Cinderella, Cinderella is still Cinderella. Yeah. You showed her after, but you didn't change her into this like selfish, mean hag. You let her still be Cinderella. You just showed her, okay, but what happened after? So you still let the characters be who they were. And I'm fine with that. Like I like like fan fiction and stuff that goes in, you know, or prequels and things like that, if the characters are still the characters as they've been set up to be. But if you're going to just take the character and then do whatever you want with it, and it's totally unrelated, and you've blown the whole classic tale up, then just come up with your own thing. Well, I guess the feminist retellings could kind of be like fan fiction. I guess like, oh, we're going to write this story about we use girls for it or something. But sometimes also, as soon as I see... As soon as I see feminist or it's going to be a feminist retelling, I'm like, okay, do I need to be ready to be preached at? Because, like, why, if it's a strong female character, why does it have to be feminist? As far as, I don't know, feminism to be made because of what is in the political sphere, the cultural sphere, it just seems like because it's the movement, you know, and it's just, oh, we're to teach everybody mm-hmm. about whatever it is. So, to me, it just feels like, okay, am I just going to have all these you know, girls preaching at a bunch of other people about, instead of just be the character, you know, just right. be an awesome female character without preaching to everybody. So, I don't know, it seems like that also. And it's actually, there's a second thing, there's the feminist retellings, which also I agree with. Why do we have to be the guy? Like, aren't women supposed to be superior to men? So, <laughs> don't tell the same story as the guy and then just put yeah. a woman in there. Give exactly. us our own they, stories. Yeah. Or it's like, sometimes what they'll do now instead is, I think they did this with the Rangers Apprentice. They started like a whole second series of it, where it's like, originally the first book was about the Rangers Apprentice was a boy, and now the boy has grown up and become a Ranger himself, and his now apprentice is going to be a girl. Right? So it's like, they're, they kind of re, right. we're revisiting the world and the stories, but now we're going to have a girl. So it'd be like, here, the other Merlin, it's specifically the girl is going to like step into the Merlin role. But sometimes it's like, okay, so Merlin, 
his charge, his uh, mentee, <laughs> is gonna be is gonna be a girl instead. So you see that happen a lot, also, and it's I don't know, but you know, again, I see what you're doing there, but I guess it's kind of good because you're not totally uh, redoing it, but you still see it's a deliberate thing to put a female in that place. Another thing, also with the retongues, that they're starting to do. I don't know if this is going to be a full-blown trend, but I have seen a few of it, is it's also what they're calling remixes. That could be also sort of why, so this is that we're after it up there. Because what the remix is, is it's the same sort of story, we just switched out a few people. So for example, hmm. they do what's called like the remix of, I think it's Little Woman, and the sisters are now, they're black characters um, instead. So I I haven't read it, but it's, it's going to be, I think, basically the little woman story just with black characters instead of uh, the traditional uh, white characters. Or, like, they're doing that with the Count of Monte Cristo. Is it the Count of Monte Cristo? I think it's the Count of Monte Cristo. They're also doing a remix of it where it's going to be a girl in that role instead of a boy in that role. So it, Interesting. it is still kind of like a retelling, but they're calling it a remix instead. Huh. Because I guess if it's not a fantasy, or if it's not mythology or, or folk tales, mm-hmm. so they don't want to call it a retelling... So instead, they're calling it a remix. Like, that's another one they're starting to sort of introduce. Interesting. Yeah, and also, you know, don't mess with the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> I was just going to say, that must really hurt you, that one. Uh, I'm kind of like, yeah. And it's it's funny, because sometimes the more you love something, the more you want to see of it. You know, I realize, so, you know, if I love vampires, I want to read all the vampire books up there. And sometimes it's like, no, the Count of Monte Cristo, like, don't touch it. <laughs> right, don't. something like, so perfect. good. Well, yeah, just, just don't. It's also interesting that a lot of these feminist retellings end up crossing over into the into like the LGBT queer realm also. Which mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know, being a feminist means that you just sleep with other girls or something. I don't like, is that a new wave of feminism that we're going through right now? Or It's interesting. I, we were talking about last week, we were also talking about trends. And the trends from last week were uh, a little bit more interesting. You know, because as you were saying it, different trends... Sometimes, I mean, books generally are supposed to introduce us to different stories and different ideas and open us up and can make us more empathetic. And certain trends have the opportunity to do that. But there's something about specifically feminist stuff that both of us find to be a little bit annoying and over the top. And, and also because they, they put, when you put women into roles that were traditionally men's roles, they always take away or often take away. What is special about being a girl? What's special about being a woman? And, you know, the girl just has to be the super cool, kicks butt, takes names, you know, doesn't care about anyone type person. And, okay, so great. So now you have a girl playing instead of a boy. Why don't we have, like, a actual female character? Like, Little Women is actually a good example, right? Those are very distinctly female characters, right? We talked about Gone with the Wind, you know, Scarlett O'Hara is a woman dealing with very particular circumstances as a woman, right? Not as a man. Like, you can't really change it out, which is interesting. The Count of Monte Cristo, how they're going to... I mean, it's actually interesting little women that they're going to make them black because it is set during the Civil War. So maybe they're changing when the book is set. But, like, some things you just can't change because that's not... You know, it would change everything. Or maybe there's going to be more commentary about slavery or it could still be Maybe. something, right? They'd have to be. That's true. It could. It works. It's just, I know, you know, different, everyone's got their own thing that they're trying to do with this. So. Which is why it's great that there's all these different books being published and everyone can read what they like. And if I want to avoid all the feminist retellings, 
I can, unless Elt makes me read one of them. And unless one is hers, but she wouldn't do like an annoying feminist retelling. So if you did a feminist retelling, I'd read it. Oh, oh well, I don't think it would be... I think I have from from the five that I have, especially my editor liked the Rumpelstiltskin retelling, retelling because the character, the female character, and that is a much stronger character. She takes much mm. more control. So theoretically, sure, I could market it if I really wanted to also follow the trends and use the buzzwords of like, this is the feminist retelling and she's taking control of her life and blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I don't want to, I don't like to go there. So I just don't. I know usually right. if it's a buzzword, I kind of, I have this moment of like cringe almost. Also because if it's a buzzword today, it's not a buzzword tomorrow. So. Right. You know, and, and it then, becomes kind of cliche almost, the buzzwords. Mm-hmm. So, and you want it I'll, to stand on yeah. its own. You, we can have strong female characters without having to call it feminist, without it having to be deliberate feminism. Because women women are very strong <laughs> characters. <Right. laughs> there, are yeah. big, there are Some are small and some are big. They're all different types. So yeah. that's why I don't think we have to deliberately go towards something to create something which we have already. Anyways, that's, that's our take on that. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to leave it. We actually have more trends to discuss, but we had a lot to talk about here. So why don't we leave people on a little bit of a cliffhanger, you know, leave them wanting more, right? That's what you're supposed to do. So we'll, we'll tease the fact that we're going to do this trends thing again. What are those trends? One of them we might have talked about a little bit today if you were paying attention, but we'll get to more trends at a later date. But for now, I, th- I think, I think we covered it here with feminist retellings, don't you? Absolutely. Look at look. Walk up and down a, uh, an aisle in a bookstore and see and see. Confirm, confirm if what we speak about is true. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Just go to Barnes and Noble and see what books are there, or the library. What books are they promoting? You can. It's not a secret. Exactly. It's there for you. So until next time, what, maybe we do another trend. Maybe we go back to our regularly regular type of episode who knows but until then thank you so much for listening cheers people we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of oh my word podcast make sure you're subscribed so you always get the latest episode and please leave us a rating and a review and please share the show with your friends also follow us on instagram at oh my word podcast there we post episode updates our ratings for each book and also our personal reading recommendations music for the show is by tim burke editor is emily Yaffe. We'll see you next week.